0: Yep. Uh,
1: another winter is upon us. So our question to you is, what
0: are your cold weather decon plans? That's a good point, because freezing temperatures, wet decon, <clears throat> there's a the stuff of nightmares for responders and victims. But personally, technology has got your back. Simplify the decon line with a dynamic duo of FiberTech and Dahlgrens.
1: Yeah, you want to learn more about our absolute decon dream team, uh, go to firstlinetech.com slash the hazmat guys. Keep your decon game strong and your team safer than ever
0: without freezing to death in a three pool car wash. And you can learn that through our magnificent training as well, because you get customized instruction by by us.
1: Yeah, we deliver experience uh, that is not just your regular old boring training. Uh, And when we come, we don't just deliver courses that were designed years ago. Every course is constantly updated, fresh takes, emerging trends. Uh, We know that this takes time and effort and energy, uh, but it is so
0: worth the outcome and a good class. Yeah, so we are partnering with many, many companies to bring you the best props, technologies, and devices. And we'll guarantee that our instructors will keep everybody engaged we only partner with the best in the field. So don't let your potential
1: go untapped. Choose us for your training partner and embark on a personal and professional growth journey. Contact us now by visiting the hazmatguys.com hire us and reserve your spot and start your transformational training experience today.
0: And we're back, part two: modern threats of terror.
1: Yes, where we're combining lessons of yesteryear with the modern state of terrorism as it stands. Uh, but before we get into that, we are only about two weeks away from our Battery Destroyers Club show, uh, which is going to be—it's uh, going to be a live show with a whole bunch of people that were with us when we blew up a whole bunch of batteries. Uh, we got some great videos, some great data uh we've got uh who who are some of the companies that are with us
0: tell ops they're a uh very high-end thermal imaging camera we got red wave ftir and uh ftir and fleer brought some drones and all types of jazz black line and cell block
1: yeah so between the videos the data the the live stream the comments are going to be on you can ask the questions if we have the answer we'll give it to you uh if we don't we'll make sure somebody at some point does find us out we're going to be streaming this live on both facebook and youtube so everybody can
0: interact yep and also and this is i'm kind of excited about this because this is like a real full show is we're trying to bottle the lessons learned from the beginning of Hazmat in the world to today. And so we are going for a long format live show The next one is going to be recorded on January 3rd, 2024 at 19.30 hours Eastern Standard Time. So write that on your calendar. We are going to be breaking that long form into podcast-sized videos and audios. It will be completely free for its life. And our first guest is Mike Callen. So come on on and ask questions. Grab a beer. Sit down with us and see what's happening in Mike's mind, uh, he is one of the first. Um, we have 26 people we contacted. So we, we are certainly not running out of. Uh, we started triaging them by age. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, a few guys we got to too late, they didn't return our calls.
0: Yeah. So, um, but on happier notes, conferences, these are the ones we actually have signed paperwork for Connecticut fired upon instructors conference, Wammer, Northeast hazmat, formerly Massachusetts, OMRA, which is Ontario. I'm looking forward to that one, Michigan cold zone and South Carolina and New York state. So a lot of stuff going on, but
1: it's all good. It is all good. All right. So we're getting back to the, getting back to the modern threats of terrorism. We had left off talking about secondary devices. Um, and of course, secondary devices land within that world of explosives. Uh, but keep in mind that any form of WMD can be used as a secondary device. Uh, the most accessible and user-friendly amongst all of the WMDs is going to be your improvised bomb. Uh, explosives are easy to make. They're easy to get your hands on. It doesn't take a whole lot to actually deplore these devices. They can do a significant amount of damage locally to an area. I can use a chemical to dis... I can use a, a bomb to disperse a chemical... A biological agent, a radiological agent. Um, the components are easy, and I can get detailed instructions almost anywhere. Especially at the hat. No, never mind.
0: <laughs> especially at my notebook, right here. Especially, yeah. <laughs> well, so incendiary uh, improvised devices explosive devices fall into basically two different categories. You have explosives or you have incendiary utilizing either a high or a low filler explosive material or explosions or causing fires. Now projectiles and missiles things that are just shot out including aircrafts can also trigger explosions and fires particularly when targeting high profile structures like buildings, monuments or even special events. Yeah, and
1: there's this modern form of terrorism nowadays um, is not just about hurting people, but it's also just about um, portraying acts of violence. So you know, you see, you see people. Um, protest and riot on the street sometimes they go beyond they go too far and they actually enter that world of terrorism uh, that we're responding to and some easy things and low-cost effective simple things would be like bombs made from fireworks or firebombs molotov cocktails Um, the devices can be large or small they can be equipped with timed or remote triggering detonators Uh, they can be activated through light switches pressure switches movements radio transmissions which kind of brings us. back Back to our hazmat jihad days where i would rig explosives up behind toilet bowls and have them go off by various methods that was fun yeah good times
0: <laughs> and uh, nobody was injured nobody was those, injured. Uh,
1: sessions but a few people yeah. got scared and a, yeah. a, a few people had to end their business quicker than they anticipated it
0: was, it was kind of like the danny glover scene in Le- loaded weapon <laughs> where he's upstairs <laughs> in the toilet and we'd have to come in and we'd pull him off the case That was funny good times <laughs> yeah yes we actually did that stuff so the potential for a single or multiple bombing incidents in one or more municipalities actually is a real concern right cause it doesn't take much to put like uh, most departments most agencies could deal with one but you put two or three that's going to throw the whole operation to a tailspin
1: Yeah, and especially when we start talking about things like secondary devices, right? Because now we've put our blinders on, uh, a device has gone off and we really do, unless we're trained properly for it, we are putting our blinders on and we are focused on the absolute task at hand that's in front of us because we're trying to deal with the threat to the responders and the public at the same time. So diversionary events and other kinds of attacks, they can be specific to responders and work extraordinarily effectively. Um, so what are some of the things in this field that has changed since, since 2000 uh, when we really kind of started diving into terrorism events? Well, I would venture to say that drones would be a really good example of a delivery mechanism that has enabled somebody to not just leave a device somewhere where we hope we stumble across it, but can literally target us.
0: Yeah, that's, that is uh, a game changer. And we spoke about in on the last episode of using drones in a tactical sense to kind of use them to get your eyes up on that car or get your eyes up in that package without sending a person up there but let's flip that around like mike just said what if i if i was doing something nefarious i could buy a drone a decent drone for like 1500 bucks right that's nothing compared and i can send things into areas that are you're not expecting like it's coming in from the roof it's coming it's dropping in it's coming through a window you know so We've seen drones used extensively in the Ukraine conflict.
1: Yeah. Right? Been, they, they're, 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 if they're doing it overseas, they're going to be bringing it in here. Because, like, think about it, right? If I was, if I was a bad guy, why would I leave for chance that a rig is going to park in the same spot every time? Why not just wait for them to show up and then fly a drone? And then I can now surgically choose my target. where they're being attacked how they're being attacked um that's why that that, that's why the 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 next couple steps that we're going to talk about are are so vitally important what do we look for when we're looking for a possible drone attack are you going to be able to hear the the buzz of a high pitched drone over the sounds of the rigs you have to i mean this is where we really need to start um looking at being paying attention keeping our eyes open seeing survey the whole nine yards
0: that's a good point. Can you hear a drone? I, I know the drone I have. You can hear it. Yeah, but, but you can could hear, you it, hear it over a rig, right? Could you? I don't
1: think so. I think the rigs are so low frequency that it's going to drown out any high pitch buzz. Think about this really good point. Think about the times that we've been on scene, right? D- drones have been part of our response for a while now. Um, you know, we get, you know, larger past first alarms and a drone unit shows up to start taking video. They've got thermal imaging cameras there. They, they were at so many of our events. How often did you go? Oh,
0: I hear the drone. Yeah. You know, that's a, That's interesting. I never really thought about that. Um, not to keep my head up now, and it's crazy because it, it, go on
1: YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> go on YouTube and watch these people literally drop explosive devices into tanks from a drone. Like that's how
0: absolutely targeted they're they're able to get. So that's incredible. But listen, don't be a creature of habit. That's kind of like a big lesson here. Is it's really easy for us as first responders to create a pattern. Uh, Oh, I always like to make the left out of quarters, or I always like to do this, or I like to go down this street because it's nice and wide. These patterns help us not have to think about things, and they allow our automated portion of our brain to kick in, and this gives us more brain power to be able to focus on the unknowns that are in front of us. But this can absolutely 100% backfire on us because that means. If somebody observes our pattern, then they're able to predict what we're going to do. And they can set up something like a secondary device, like Mike was saying, like a static secondary device. We're, we're kind of talking more about planting the seed of like a dynamic yeah.
1: Device. Yeah. We could we could have multiple right. This is this is the lessons that we've learned, and now we need to adapt for for modern. So the static was the lessons that we understand. Adapting to modern is more the the dynamic. And this was this was so heavily preached when I first got on that we actually had drivers when I first came into Hazmat One, 2024, uh, on twenty twenty four twenty o four, uh, that would refuse to take the same path two times in a row. So if there was multiple calls to Manhattan in the same area, they would take different bridges or different tunnels or different routes. Uh and basically they were just like, well, they can't they can't put something on the side of the road for me if they don't know what road to put it on the side of.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That's a little, a little extravagant, but um... it,
1: it did it, but it, I mean it it made sense. I mean, they would also uh you know, in times that there was uh, an issue in uh in the the tunnels or the bridges they would call dispatch to see okay like what direction do you want me approaching this bridge like where where am i where do you want me coming from like as as an incident commander coming on scene maybe there's an issue that i don't know about coming from the bronx side maybe i need to go to the queen side and come back up so there was a, a lot of thought process went into
0: the response and not so much anymore it sounds like you need a lot of communication cool communication is vital. That is where clear communication and in challenging environments, which is something we, we uh, showed off uh, in, in an episode where chainsaws were ripping next to our heads and we were still good. We were using Cavcom's new talk through your ears, 5,000, which is the latest two way uh, radio accessory for in suit communications.
1: Yeah. It, uh, it is the clearest communication on the market i'm not even i was absolutely blown away by this thing uh talk through your ears requires minimal components you already have a radio your cavcom sends you an oversized push the talk unit and there is a universal fitting earpiece you pop it in it's that simple
0: yeah it is light compact and needs no batteries it's powered by your radio so and and it works with any SCBA ensemble. You know what's cool about it? That you can you get the same output, whether you have your SCBA on or one of those mask coverings or an APR right. or nothing. Same play. Right.
1: There was no difference in any of the communication. My voice could be muffled. I could have been talking into my hand like this. It just didn't matter. The in the they shove a
0: microphone in your freaking ear. It was absolutely yeah. amazing. So go to Capcom website and check it out. Tell them you heard about it from us uh, because you are going to be impressed. Where the hell are we? (laughs) We, uh, Well, let's see. We were just talking
1: about being, uh, not being creatures of habit, right? right. So like uh, if you could be uh, flexible in your response was the direction that we were headed.
0: Yeah, so you need to be adaptable and flexible in your approach. Rigidity is not a good thing in our business. Uh, By changing your behavior to prioritize adaptability, responders then can be better to cope with dynamic and unpredictable nature of terrorist incidents or WMDs. Remember, they had the luxury of plotting this out. You You have no time to deal with what they set up. So you came into this blinded. Yeah, there's an
1: expression over in Afghanistan, you have the watch, we have the time. Meaning like you do all of your operations based upon, all right, at three o'clock we're done, we'll just sit and wait for you. You know, we've got all the time in the world to sit and wait so you know that that a need to be flexible is 100% true and with flexibility also comes situational awareness right uh, altering your behavior heightened emphasis on situational awareness is absolutely 100% critical right we need to be observant we need to be vigilant we need to be looking for unusual signs or patterns that could indicate something right so uh, i may not be able to hear the drone But I may be seeing somebody set up with the drone situation as I'm responding in, right? So I know that there might be a drone out there. I might see something in the distance that, hey, that, you know, like I've seen a lot of drones fly overhead to take footage, but I've never seen one with a package daggling from it. So situational (laughs) awareness is is absolutely key that training with situational awareness, it's going to lead us to
0: quicker and more informed decision making. It's that damn Amazon dropping off my uh, my vitamins right. or something.
1: Bezos is going to be the death of us.
0: <laughs> like, you can wait until I'm out of this situation. Like, I could take it at the, my house. I don't... Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so specialized training and education. If we change our behavior and emphasize continuous training and education in counterterrorism, right? Because terrorism is one side. Counterterrorism is, like, the opposite side. That's where we kind of play on and to WMD response, it's essential to do. It ensures that your first responders are well-prepared and equipped with the latest knowledge and skills needed to handle the complex scenarios effectively.
1: You know, you may not think of this next one as a big deal. If you're younger, you're not going to see it as a big deal. For us, we kind of look at this as like, holy crap, that's really cool. You can, everybody on scene can talk to everybody on scene. Um, But collaboration and communication and the two coming together play a vital role in modern Uh, you know, uh, terror threats, because it allows every, all the groups of first responders from various agencies and disciplines to come together and work seamlessly during an incident. Um, Changing the behavior to prioritize teamwork and open communication channels is going to facilitate coordination and effective response, which also might mean that you're veering off just a little bit from that that NIMS style communication
0: when we start getting multi-agencies together. And with that, you're going to have preparedness and drills. You're going to start doing, whether it be tabletops, et cetera, or full-scale type operations. If you're doing that proactive re- approach and you're preparing through regular drills and simulations, then this is a key move. Changing your behavior to re- view preparedness activities, not as just routine, but as critical to the readiness ensures that responders will be well practiced and can execute their roles effectively under pressure and with collaborations like Mike said with other agencies. I know I've said this a couple of times. We did this drill with the police department and I was getting geared up and a guy comes up with a long gun and I'm like, he's like right on top of me. I'm like, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, your job is to go fix that and I keep you safe. And I didn't even understand that I didn't even see that coming. I'm like His job is to do that, so I can go do this.
1: That's the moment you realize that you're a cog in a much bigger machine.
0: Like all the training I did for 20 years, la da da da, I always thought it was gonna, the sun was gonna rise and set on this operation. I was told this is how it's gonna be, and then it, the rubber's hitting the road, and I'm like, I was sold a bag of goods. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the most important person here. God damn it! Dumb. he was, so was i was like oh i was like what 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 you know like oh he's was terrible
1: anyway. yeah yeah that's when you want to be like are you a good shot can i see your last like training session like uh, do i get to choose who protects yeah, me like yeah, right. can like. i yeah like I've seen you guys shoot before. I don't know if I want you protecting me. <laughs> you don't know, give me the drug dealer in the corner. I know he's a good shot he's because good. we. Yeah, we've been to like fifty of his of of uh, his killings. I know N-I-P. that guy. Can, yeah, I know that guy can shoot, man. I've been doing CPR a long time around here. I know his work. <laughs> good. Right so we start to take a bunch of these these little lessons and we put them together to 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 give us better protection measures as well as personal safety. So we talk about the flexibility, we talk about the situational awareness, we talk about the communications and we have to put that all together And be ready to pivot on a dime when it comes to PPE and our personal protection equipment. So, for example, I'm responding on scene and all of a sudden people are telling me, hey, my radiation meters are going off and this was a primary explosion that happened. I need to be ready to pivot immediately, put on the proper gear, make sure that I'm safe and proceed forward without even blinking an eye. And that's the ultimate end goal to a lot of this, is to be able to take ourselves, change how we're viewing, change how we're acting, and, and move forward safely,
0: seamlessly. And you, you may think that this is, okay, this is our thing to do. You must plug in the community and public awareness, because without them being on your side and, and incentivizing the whole thing, you have to shift behavior towards active community engagement and public awareness because you're going to get the most honey out of this pop, puppy so first responders can work to educate the public on recognizing and reporting suspicious activities i will say again maybe it's because i'm in new york but this saying has was one of the best sayings and it was plastered everywhere right after 9-11 it was the port authority for police department and they said if you see something say something there was, that campaign is everywhere now. And it's a great thing because there was public awareness and you're using now 8 million eyes to help the police department. There it was brilliant.
1: There was a phenomenal comedian who did a whole bit about see something, say something. And he's like, you know, New Yorkers so don't give a shit about anything around them that they actually had to be told to give a shit. <laughs> it was it was a brilliant take on see something say something. It was just Can absolutely please great. Please just right. do Guys. a little something yeah, for yeah. us. Yeah, you have to care a little bit. Like, and if you've ever been in New York, and if you're new, like New Yorkers really don't care. You could have you know an A list celebrity walking next to you, and if they're like, impeding your personal space, you're like, dude, get the f off of me. Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> like, it's it's a hundred percent true. Um, and ultimately, what we want to do with all of this. Uh, is come up with an effective uh, effective risk management scenario right we want to change our behavior we want to emphasize that we have to always do that risk-benefit analysis. We should be trained on threat analysis, trained on evolution of escalation of risk. We should have the ability to make informed decisions and have appropriate response measures instantly within our grasp. So we want to be able to do yes, no decision-making right away. We want to be able to know what the risk and the reward is. And we want to be able to make effective decisions that are going to allow us, the first responder, to go home at night.
0: Now, more to come on more episodes on this. But before we go, we're just going to say thank you to a couple of our friends. Uh, If you're facing chemical spills, waste disposal or environmental challenges, SMR Rapid Response offers expert solutions. Reach them in Virginia, Maryland or North Carolina at 1-800-248-5816 or smrrapidresponse.net.
1: You know, uh, you may think because we talk about our own training uh, that this world that we live in is very you know like we we compete against other training companies and we don't we're actually very good friends with most of the training companies that are on the job and we have no problem saying when one training company has got an absolutely phenomenal product and um, Uh, Industrial Emergency Council is one of them. They are a not-for-profit led by experts that provide diverse emergency response training for almost 40 years. They collaborate with fire departments, public agencies, militaries, and the private sector. Uh, So visit iectraining.org or call them at 650-508-9008.